Father God, I ask that you would bless this time in your fellowship this evening, Lord. Lord, that your word would go forth. Father, that we would have it soak in and take hold in our lives, Lord Jesus. Lord, that we would take your word and take it with us throughout the rest of these days between now and the time we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen. If I had to put a title on my message this evening, it would be Love and Obedience. You cannot have one without the other. Going to be taking our scripture reference this evening from John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. When you have it, please say amen. Again, that's John chapter 15, verses 19 through 17. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for, using my name. This is my command, love each other. Amen. You may be seated. I'm asked often what my favorite book of the Bible is. And I would have to say, for me personally, it is the book of John. Such a beautiful, beautiful love letter written to all of us. Amen. Not only from the words of Jesus that are being spoken in this passage that we read, but throughout the the entire book, it invokes a a deep-seated love. And I think a lot of that has to do with that relationship between the Apostle John and Jesus. Amen. The passage that we just read is probably one of my most favorite passages in Scripture. It is rich in clarity and imagery. It serves as a flashing neon sign pointing us clearly in the direction that we should go. This passage repeats several truths over and over again. One that stands out for me is the statement, If you love me, you will obey my commandments. 
And I don't know about y'all, but I, I read things in the Word of God, and sometimes you know I can read it over and over and over again, or I can read it at some point and come back to it at some points later. But when God wants to get a hold of me, it's like smashing a bag of bricks upside my head, and something just pops out the big neon sign. It's like, oh, I never saw it like that before. And that is such a truly amazing thing when we as a body and we as a group of believers can sit there and have God reach down and touch us and show us something in his word. Amen. And it just reading and reading and reading it, the words, if I truly loved God, then I would obey him. And I asked myself, why this time? Why is it so profound to me reading it this time? When and where did I ever get the idea that love was a feeling, but obedience was an option? You see, church, we can't have one without the other. We cannot have obedience without love, and we cannot have love without obedience. Someone asks you to do something. Someone wants you to help. You want to be helpful. Why do we do that? Well, sometimes there's benefits to helping, but... Most of the time, at least when it comes to my relationships with people, I, I, I help because I love them. I want to be helpful to them. And so that, the idea of having obedience not being a part of love, just it, it struck with me and it resonated me while I was preparing this message. And I thought of a context that, that I could put it in having love with Jesus, walking with Jesus, walking as a Christian and growing in knowledge and growing in truth and true love with him. Why would I ever love him and, or say that I love him and not want to obey what he has for me in my life or not want to obey him for the commandments that he set forth for us? Not only as, as believers, but also as decent and good human beings. There's just a moral atmosphere or a moral compass that we should have as Christians. And I thought of that section of scripture we, we read, and I, and I, and I want to put it in, in a certain context. And I'm going to frame it, so bear with me for a moment as I take you through this context, but I, I hope it gives clarity you know, towards the end. Imagine that it's your, your wedding day. You're about to marry the, the man or woman of your dreams. You're so excited. You're so giddy. You're so happy. Some of us have been married a long time. Some of us not so long. But who here remembers their wedding day? No? No? Okay. That, that feeling that you had, right? That feeling that stirred up inside you, that, that giddiness, that overwhelming joy, that abundance of emotion that you had as you were you were about to get married you're about to profess your commitment and your love your honor your cherish to that person publicly above all others on earth you go through with the whatever that proceeding is whether it's um, in front of friends and family of a lot of people or just a few people or maybe it's you and your significant other and a magistrate Whatever that setting is, it stirs something up inside of you. After the wedding, after the fairy tale honeymoon, after you're ready to settle down into your amazing new life with that spouse, you're getting ready for that moment, things are settling down, you have your house prepared, you're moving in together, you're starting that new chapter in your life. 
And then imagine that your spouse informs you that, that you're not going to be, or they're not going to be home for that time. They, they have something other that has caught their eye. They have something else that has drawn their attention. Your spouse sits there and says, well, well, you know what? I, 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 you know, I met so-and-so over here. I, I really like them. I think I'm going to hang out with them for a while, and I won't be home for dinner for a few days. If you're anything like me, you'd be like, what? Put the brakes on. You'd be skidding and say, what in the world is going on? You said, what? Come again? Please? I didn't hear you right. I know that's not what you said. We would all have some sort of reaction in, in that way. Amen? Confused and a little miffed, you know, that your spouse is acting like you're the one with the problem. And you're just sitting there scratching your head. What is going on? How does this not equate? We... We, we had this time together. We had this glorious, lovely time, and it was so great and so fabulous, and we professed our love, and it was so happy and so beautiful, and, and now I don't understand what's going on. Everything's upside down. You, you, you want to go with another. What, why? I, I quite honestly believe that if that had truly happened in that circumstance, our minds would be like, what in the world? We wouldn't be, at least me, I'd have problem processing that information. I wouldn't know what to say or, or what to do. They look at you and they say, well, why shouldn't I be able to, to go out and do whatever I please, when I please, whenever I want? What, what, what's wrong with that? Why, why, can't I, why can't I come home and spend some time with you and be with you, my love, my, my, my world, my everything, for just a little bit of time, but when the clock strikes six o'clock or the clock strikes midnight or whatever that time is, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to get away. I'm going to go do this for a period of time. And say in a moment of grace, you give them the benefit of the doubt. And maybe you consider quite possibly that they didn't understand that when you committed to love and honor and cherish each other, that it was singular. It was for that person and no one else. Maybe, maybe that significant other, maybe they didn't realize that that's what you were talking about. Maybe they didn't realize that those vows in that time was exclusive. What if you told them that by them moving forward with their actions and their decisions that it would truly hurt you tremendously? That you would tell them, this is going to make me very, very sad. I'm going to have a hard time dealing with this. By what you're doing, it is hurting me. And your significant other looks at you and says, Honey, don't worry about it. I still love you. It'll be okay. But isn't that, church, that I propose, isn't that sometimes what we do with God? When we take those times, whether it's, maybe it's a Sunday morning or a Tuesday evening or a Saturday rally or in your home and you get this powerful movement of God and your heart is ready to so over abundantly explode with joy and love and you get this beautiful revelation and then all of a sudden you decide I'm going to I'm going to take this and I'm going to put it down over here and I'm I'm going to walk away for a while. Don't we do that sometimes? I mean I I'm guilty of that. I have done that. I have been in a rally, I have been in a tent meetings, I have been in park meetings down at Esther Short Park where I get the hold of God and he gets a hold of me and he gives me a healing and I'm on cloud nine and it's such a beautiful thing and then three days later I'm somewhere where I not ought to be. You see, we, we do that at times, church. 
we tend to put God down and walk away. And, and I'm here to say that, at least from my personal point of view, that when I have done that and when I did that, what a shame. Because what happens then is the devil gets a foothold into your mind. The devil gets a foothold into your thought process and he can twist everything up on you and make it just that much harder for you to come back to your first love. To, to allow you to put that aside and say, no, wait, I ought not to be here. Wait, I ought not to be doing this or going here or hanging out with these folks. And when you get twisted, it's, it's, it's hard to come back sometimes in your mind because even though Jesus is still sitting there, he's still the, the one in the relationship that never went anywhere, sitting in the house, waiting for you to come home, waiting for you to come back to him, saying, wait a minute, I don't understand. Where did you go? I would propose to say that if someone told you that, said, honey, don't worry about it, I still love you, how loved would you feel? How much could you trust in the love of that other person? And I would beg to say that you couldn't. There would be a break there. There would be a chasm that would be very hard for you to, to over, overcome that. You see, church, it is possible to have obedience without love, but you cannot have love without obedience. That is why Paul said in James 2 and 18, Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. In other words, what the Apostle Paul was saying is that if you love someone, your actions will bear it out. Your actions will show you and will show everyone where your love lies. 1 John 2 and 5 of the NLT says, But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. See, when we're talking about love, it's manifest. It's shown. You cannot be in love with someone or something and not have it be known by those around you. It's impossible. You see a, a small child running, so happy to see their parents, and that child just books it, eyes wide open, face so happy, million miles an hour, arms outstretched, mommy, daddy. You see the, the soldier that's been away at war for a period of time and he comes home and the family's overjoyed to see him and they just run out and just run and embrace that person. The love is manifest. What you have love for, church, is always going to be shown. So I would ask you tonight, church, where are you and where am I struggling to obey the Lord? Because at times, we all have a struggle of, of obedience. Now, some of us are further along in our walks with the Lord than others. But there, all come, there comes a time in all of our lives where, where obedience can be challenged. Every child is going to challenge the obedience of authority at some point. It's just, it's going to happen. It, we, we always want to have a piece of us. So there's always a piece of us that's going to challenge obedience. I don't know where, where that is or what that step is, where we need to start obeying or what we need to do to start coming back and calling back to our first estate. But there's going to come a time in, in my life, in your life, in all of our lives, where God is going to call you to a place where you have to choose.
you are going to be put in a situation or you're going to be brought to a place where, quite honestly, the Lord is going to be selfish and he's not going to share his love. You're going to have to choose, do I want to accept this or do I want to continue to be on the fence about a situation or a circumstance? And we are all going to be, at some point, brought to that choice to love and obey. Thank you, Jesus. I know this message has been short, but I guess the transition here would be where and when have we turned our focus away from God's love? When and where have we decided not to heed his call or his hunger in our lives. And I refer you back to John in chapter 15, in 16 and 17. Jesus said, you did not choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. So I propose to you tonight, church, that if you're lacking in love, if you're lacking in obedience somewhere, that you would make your way to these altars, whether it's up here at front or in your seat, and you would pray and seek the face of God and ask Him, Lord, how can I get closer to you in your love? Amen.